Our scripture reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 29. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Hear these words of scripture. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go, go to the chariot and stay near it. When Philip ran up to the chariot, he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him of the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chuck. So today we continue our worship series, Faces of Our Faith. So often we focus on the big names or the main characters of scripture, like Moses and Jesus and Mary and Paul, those people that we want to emulate because we know them and their stories so well. But in this series, our intention is to take a look at some of those ordinary people in scripture, those people who go about their day-to-day lives, and then suddenly they are confronted with a situation in which they're called to act out their faith, live out their faith. And so we're pausing at these stories that we often overlook to dig deep into their worlds and discover what they have to teach us about living our faith out in our daily lives now. Let's pray. O God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be pleasing and joyful to you, you who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have always been a young woman in ministry. I've never been anything else in ministry, so I can tell you about my experience as a young woman in ministry, and it has its challenges. The blank stares 
from funeral directors or the puzzled looks from people when I do off-site weddings and they're like, oh, you're the pastor. If I had a nickel for every time I heard, oh, you're the pastor? then I wouldn't have any more student loan debt. <laughs> or the times that I'll say something in Bible study or in meetings and, and no one responds, it kind of just goes off. And then a few minutes later, a, another probably male counterpart will share a thought that's strikingly similar to what I had said. And people will say, oh wow, that's a, that's a great idea you just had. Or I never thought about it that way. But my favorite was when I was pe preaching at another church. And a man who had been worshiping with us in the front row that morning, he stood up and he, he walked out of the sanctuary as I, I walked into the pulpit. And I thought it was a bit strange, but I went on, I preached the, wor the sermon that God had given me for that day. And when I was finished, when I sat back down, the man walked back in to worship and sat down again. And I thought it was weird, but still, I just, okay. And then after the service, his wife came up to me through the line, and she said, no offense to you, honey. I love it when people call me honey. <laughs> but my, my husband doesn't believe in women pastors. And my first thought was, I'm not a unicorn. Like, I'm, I'm standing right here in front of you. It's not something that you can either choose to believe in or not. I'm a person. But I knew what she meant. I know. I know that people struggle with God calling women to be pastors or to have any leadership role in the church because of their tradition or what they've been told about Scripture. And in that moment, I wasn't really, I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset or annoyed. I was actually just, I was sad. I was sad that that, that man was limiting God's ability and power to work through someone simply because of their gender. What a small God that man must have believed in. But how often do we each do this? We underestimate someone, and we, we assume that they don't have something of value to give us, to share with us, because they're too young, or they're not the right gender, or they're too old, or they're not educated enough, or they're not wearing the right clothes, or their skin is too dark, or it's too light, or they have an accent that seems different or questionable to you. I would wager that at any point in time, this has happened to each and every one of us. And it's something that we've done to other people. In today's scripture, we encounter two men. First, we meet Philip. In the beginning of chapter 8 of Acts, we learn that there was this great persecution that broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And so all except the apostles are then pushed out, scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And Philip is one of them that is pushed out into the rest of the world. And so he goes and he preaches to Samaria. And many people came to know about Jesus because of him. 
And then this angel tells him, go, go south to the desert road, that one that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And the spirit doesn't tell him why. The spirit just says, go over there, go be in this place. And at this point, I can imagine that Philip, with everything that he has gone through, must have looked pretty haggard. He'd recently fled Jerusalem, possibly with only the shirt on his back or whatever clothes he was wearing, and now he's walking along this dusty desert road. And so then the other person that we meet is this Ethiopian eunuch, a man of great means and education. He's an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Ethiopian queen. He's literate. He's wealthy enough to own this expensive scroll of Isaiah. And he has the means to take a really long and potentially dangerous trip from his homeland to Jerusalem. And he's in a chariot. He's not just walking along the road. He's wealthy enough to be driven by someone in a chariot. So, in short, this Ethiopian eunuch is a person of great power and authority in the Ethiopian kingdom. And the spirit tells Philip, as he's just hanging out on this road, he's walking along. And the spirit says, go to that chariot and hang out near it. And as he does this, Philip sees the Ethiopian, and he hears him reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And Philip asks him, do you, do you understand what you're reading? When, the, when Philip looks at the Ethiopian, he doesn't see a wealthy man of high stature. He sees someone with dark skin who who because, and this person is a eunuch, someone who is unable to participate fully in the Jewish community. And so Philip makes all sorts of assumptions. He's walking along this hot, dusty desert road and, he, road, and he has the audacity to ask this person sitting in a chariot, are you sure you know what you're reading? And this Ethiopian eunuch, he's an educated man. He could have understood the literal re meaning of what the scripture said. And looking at Philip, he could have seen a vagabond. He could have seen this dirty, wandering guy going down the road. He could have been outraged by this man asking him this question, having the nerve to come up to his chariot and question what he was doing. But in that moment, the Ethiopian didn't see through his own eyes, but he saw with the Spirit's eyes, and he invited Philip to join him in the chariot. And as they roll along the road, the eunuch asks Philip about the passage that he was reading, what's known as a servant song in Isaiah. And the eunuch, he wonders a, a legitimate question, who is this prophet talking about? And so Philip, being a follower of Jesus, interprets this text, this, this song of, of the servant song in Isaiah, in light of who he knew Jesus to be, the Messiah, the one who came to deliver God's people 
And so Philip begins to tell the eunuch all about Jesus, who he was, what he did, because they didn't have the New Testament to read yet. They had all of the stories that they told one another. And I can imagine Philip and this eunuch, very unlikely pair in many respects. But there they are with their heads down, bent over this scroll of Isaiah, oblivious to all of the, the bumping and rolling around of the chariot. And in that moment, they forget all of the labels, all of the assumptions that society puts on them. And they simply see each other for who they are. For someone who loves God and wants to learn and to share all about this amazing man named Jesus. And at some point, the eunuch lifts his head, and he looks out the window, and he sees some water. Maybe it was just a puddle. I don't know. They're in the desert. And he asks Philip, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? In Scripture, if you look, verse 37, it's not there. They, like, skipped over it. It was added in later to try to bring in some explanation. But in the original, it goes from 36, where he asks this question, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? 37, there's nothing. And then it says he's baptized. What can stand in the way of him being baptized? Nothing. And so the chariot stops. In verse 38, it says, Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And the Spirit of God was with them in that moment. We know because as soon as they came out of the water, the Spirit took Philip away. His ministry in that moment was done so that Philip could go on and continue to preach the gospel in other places. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized that day. He was the first Gentile convert documented in the book of Acts because both Philip and the Ethiopian chose to look beyond the surface. They chose to look beyond the labels and the assumptions that the world had placed upon them to see who they truly were. In ministry, being a young female with short hair, people have made all kinds of assumptions about me. But before then, I was labeled as a ditzy blonde. I've been blonde my entire life. I was bossy because, well, I shared my ideas and I tried to lead people. I was stuck up because I was more reserved. And I had all sorts of other labels placed upon me. We each have those labels that people have just heaped upon us again and again and again. And in life, we have a choice. We can either let those labels, either the ones that we put upon ourselves or, or society puts upon us, to speak for us or we can speak for ourselves. And that's also in reverse. We can allow other people's labels to speak for them, or we can allow them to speak for themselves. The Ethiopian eunuch 
I keep having to say that over and over and over again because he's not actually named in scripture. That's how we know him. We know him through his labels. And we also know that there was so much more about him. We know that he was one who desired to learn about God, to experience God's love and new life through baptism in Christ. And when we come to this table, when we come and we celebrate Holy Communion together at Christ's table, it's an opportunity to slough off all of those labels and take a deep breath because they're heavy and just relax and come as who we are and know that that is complete and wonderful and beautiful. When we come to this table, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all figured out. All we have to do is come as our imperfect, perfectly imperfect selves and be honest with ourselves, with God, with one another so that we might receive God's love and God's forgiveness. I invite you to pray with me this prayer of confession and pardon that is found on the screen. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Most holy and beloved God, we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, on these gifts of bread and juice, that same spirit that was pushing and nudging Philip, that was helping Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch to open their eyes, their minds, their hearts to where you were leading them so that they might see the whole person in front of them. God, so often we try to live into our labels rather than living into who you have created us to be. Oh God, may this be the moment that we are reminded to live into who you have created us to be, your beloved creation, whole and beautiful. Make these 
these gifts of bread and juice, make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And by your spirit, O God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we get to feast at his heavenly banquet together. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. This is Christ's table. And so in the United Methodist Church, we celebrate an open table. All are welcome to come, no matter how many times you have come to church, how many times you have prayed or read scripture or, I don't know, whatever other condition we try to put on it. You're welcome here. And you're invited to come and to celebrate God's love, to receive that love. So friends, let us come to Christ's table. We are the guests. He is the host. And there is a seat for you here. I invite the communion stewards to come as we celebrate this sacrament.
Let's pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. God, enable us to go into your world, strengthened by your spirit, so that we ourselves for others, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. Now I invite the choir to come forward as we continue our worship and prepare for a time of prayer together.
Thank you very much, Claire. We have quite a few prayers that have come in. Um, Penny asked for prayers for Judy's continued healing. And our altar flowers for today are in honor and of Bill Ellenberger's beautiful and wonderful life and a memory of him. Um, and in celebration of the wonderful um, Friday and Saturday times of remembering and um, how significant his life was in this world. And prayers for Nancy, who um, is, was, is in the hospital again um, and recovering from surgery. For Barb, who is uh, recovering from surgery and also for prayers for Linda, who is recovering. And Kara asked for prayers for a family friend who recently lost everything in a house slash barn fire. And Shelly asked for prayers for those who are struggling with their jobs and in their beliefs. And prayers of thanks for the welcome sunshine. The sunshine in, in January is like extra pretty. It's just so nice. Julie asked for prayers for her friend, um, Joanne, and her family. She lost her dad this week. And Marla asked for prayers for Anaya, who is a kindergarten student and who had a very severe seizure. And with that, let us go to our Lord in prayer. Loving and caring God, we need this time together to remind ourselves that we are united as siblings in faith. Oh God, we need this time of worship together to be comforted and strengthened by your presence. Because our world is filled with wars and angry political rhetoric, division and persecution and oppression. And yet we know, we know that you call us to be light bearers in your world. So remind us again of your vision, of a world where all might live in peace, in justice, and in love. Remind us of your world that is to be, where there is no more addiction and anxiety, hunger, or fear, where cancer is eradicated, broken bones heal quickly, and mental illness is no more. God, imprint this vision this promise on our hearts so that we may live into this new world that you are already creating here and now. And with the confidence of your children, let us lift our voices together, praying the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The last thing we do each Sunday is to remind ourselves that church doesn't end here but it goes with us as we go into the world. 
And so here are a few ways that you can be the church in the coming weeks. We, our February donation drive for this month is peanut butter and jelly and cereal. And these will go to the Bedford School's community pantry, and you can drop them off downstairs in our donation station slash coat closet. Uh, or you can, if you don't live around here and you'd like to donate, you can drop them, you can um, order it on Amazon and have it delivered here. It's easy. And then also on um, the 10th of February, we are going to have um, two different opportunities to serve. One is our bike fix it that's in the morning um, from nine to about noon. And that is a way that you can come and be in service here at the church and um, clean bikes and repair them and get the bikes to people who need them for a mode of transportation. And then also on that day, we have an opportunity to go to Trials for Hope, which is in Cleveland, and they um, give um, opportunities for, um, to give dignity and hope to those who are um, living or unhomed in the Cleveland area. And then also, um, we will have a pancake breakfast and a town hall here on the 18th. And so that is a way that you can, the, the pancake breakfast is from the Boy Scouts, our, the troop that meets here, and as a way to, to give thanks for being here. So after this 1030 worship, we will have pancakes down in Fellowship Hall, and then we'll also have individuals from our leadership team that will be there our leadership board, and they will answer any questions that you might have and share about what the vision and what's going on on the leadership board. And then also today, okay, so we're going to rewind. Today we have our Names to Faces event directly following service. It's downstairs. And so this is that speed dating thing that I've been talking about. It's not actually, you're not dating your neighbor, okay? We, we, don't, we don't do that here. We do lots of stuff at BUMC. We don't, we're not matchmakers, okay? Um, so, but today you can head downstairs and there will be a baked potato bar with all types of fixins. And we'll, so we'll eat together and then we will have a time of getting to know one another and we'll do a speed dating-esque opportunity, okay? So it's a way that you can do that. And then also I do want, I'm skipping all over, but I forgot, Lent is coming. Lent is coming very, very soon. Lent will be here in 10 whole days. On February 14th, it's Valentine's Day, and it's Ash Wednesday. So if you, um, that is a great way to start off the, the Lenten season, and I almost forgot about it because I'm hungry and I want to eat a baked potato. Um, but Lent is important, and so are the ashes. So you can come and you can um, show, re be reminded of God's unconditional love on Valentine's Day. So with all of that, let us receive our benediction and go and eat potatoes and do God's good work. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.